from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. I am Jeff Bookbinder here, your host for this week without Ryan Dietrich. We're going to try to bring you a great show, even in Ryan's absence. He'll be back with you next week. I am thrilled to be joined by my esteemed colleagues, Mark Zabicki and Lawrence Gillum. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Very well, Jeff. Good to be with you. Couldn't be better, Jeff. Thanks for, thanks for asking. Great, great. So um, thanks for um, joining in here. Um, I think you're going to get a little higher energy out of us today because we're actually recording this uh, around lunchtime. Uh, usually we record pretty much uh, first thing in the morning. And I don't know about all of you, but I bring more energy uh, later in the day after I've had a meal or two. <laughs> so we have a great show for you today. Um, as we move through the uh, the deck, here is what we're going to cover. Uh, it's It's been a, well, first of all, been a, an amazing week uh, in terms of the market rebound last week. And this week is just an amazing week in terms of all the stuff that's going on. Uh, we're going to start by just reviewing our weekly market commentary, which is about the biggest surprises of the year. Uh, we have six of them, to be precise. Uh, then we're going to uh, preview the Fed meeting. One of the reasons why it's a big week, Lawrence is here, our fixed income strategist, uh, to talk Fed. Uh, next, uh, it is the busiest week of earnings season, about 180 S&P 500 companies are reporting this week, so certainly we're going to get a real good idea of how, um, how well companies are going to be able to manage uh, some of these cost pressures uh, that we've been seeing uh, after we get all of those reports in the books. And then lastly, uh, we have GDP this, uh, this week, if, as if it wasn't a big enough week already. So uh, we'll hear from Mark in particular. Uh, he's done a little bit of a deep dive into um, GDP, and, and we'll bring that to you. So um, why don't we start with Lawrence? You know, certainly yields have been getting a lot of attention um, and, and lead us in the uh, list of surprises uh, this year, Lawrence. Um, how have yields surprised you? Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, they've actually surprised us a, a couple times. Um, so coming into the year, we, we expected yields to, to move higher. Uh, we started the year around 90-ish basis points. Uh, and on the 10-year Treasury yield, uh, given the, the outlook for growth and inflation expectations, we thought uh, the 10-year Treasury yield could move higher. Uh, and the first surprise is that it moved meaningfully higher than what we were expecting over the course of a month and a half. Uh, so within February and, and March of this year, yields really uh, ramped up pretty, pretty quickly and got to as high as 1.75% of the 10-year Treasury yield. So that was higher than a lot of us uh, were expecting at that time. Um, so that was that was certainly the, the first surprise. The second surprise then has been the fact that yields have drifted lower uh, since that that 1.75 percent uh, high that we that we saw back in March. Um, you know we're we're about 125 on the on the the 10 year currently, so we're still up for the year about 35 basis points from where we started. But uh, certainly, given the growth expectations, the inflation expectations that we have, uh, we would we would expect interest rates to be higher than they are currently. Now, there's a lot of factors that we think that have contributed to those lower rates. Um, you know, we probably are past that peak inflation and, and growth expectations. So those, those have come down 
uh, you know, a, a lot of foreign interest in our markets have kept uh, you know, treasury yields or treasury securities well bid, I should say. And then, you know, just the, the economic concerns about the, the impact of the, the Delta variant uh, recently have, uh, you know, uh, put, uh, put investors back into the, the treasury market as well. So uh, the, the treasury yield, uh, the treasury market has surprised us twice this year. So who says bonds aren't exciting? <laughs> Yes, and, and also, Lawrence, you know, the bond guy always goes last, but how about this? We, we put you first this time. I like, um, I love it. So um, probably should have, uh, you know, sequenced these in a little bit better, but um, next is uh, stocks have been strong and calm. Um, I mean, we thought stocks would be higher this year, Mark. Uh, we certainly had an optimistic forecast, but um, I don't think anybody expected us to be up 16% year to date in July. Um, so talk a little bit about how, uh, you know, how the stock market has uh, maybe surprised you this year, Mark. Yeah, I think, I think surprise is the optimal word. Um, we, we knew it was going to be a positive year for, for stocks coming off the, uh, the, the kind of the, you know, or during the post-COVID recovery. Um, it's probably a little bit more robust than I think we all thought. Uh, you know, I, I think the expectation now amongst folks here at LPL Research is that, you know, we are, we are likely going to get some bouts of volatility. We haven't really seen that much in the, in the first half. So that makes us kind of raises our antenna for that volatility that may occur uh, in the second half. But, you know, uh, I think as we walked into 2021, I think the expectation was for, you know, kind of high sig single digit gains in the S&P 500, for example. And you, you already stated that we've We've exceeded that, um, and you know, as a result of the strong equity market and and strong credit market, frankly, um, we, we've taken a little bit of uh, some logs off the fire here um, from a from portfolio management perspective. So, expecting some additional volatility, but we have to you know tip the hat to the equity market and equity market participants for a, a rather robust start. No doubt. Um, the, uh, the strength of the economic recovery and the earnings rebound certainly uh, have fed into uh, a really strong year uh, for stocks. Those of you watching on YouTube can see the uh, chart of the S&P 500, and we are at a new all-time high. To get to that high, uh, after a huge drop last Monday, uh, took four straight up days, including a pretty big up day mixed, up, uh, mixed in there. So we have uh, had to storm back from that, that down day and, and, and finish strong. Uh, but here it is, yet another uh, all-time high. So uh, thanks for that, Mark. Let's go to the next one. China, you know, the narrative coming into uh, this year and the start of the, the Biden administration was about how he potentially was going to get easier on China. And maybe that could create a, a better investing environment for emerging markets, China being about 40% of the emerging markets index, uh, but it really hasn't played out. Um, you know, the, um, you know, the tariffs have been maintained. Uh, certainly, um, you know, we've seen increased tensions around some of the human rights abuses that ties into the Hong Kong situation. Uh, there are a number of examples uh, of cases where it's, it's clear that, um, that narrative, frankly, was was probably misplaced. Um, so, U.S.-China tensions actually they were on display uh, just over the weekend here, um, and I, I can bring in either of you guys comment on this. Um, 
the uh, you know some senior trade officials, foreign officials from the U.S. were over in China, uh, and um, frankly, uh, based on the headlines I read, they really aren't playing nice. <laughs> so there's really a lot of tensions and um, some tough some tough talk. Yeah, I'll say this, Jeff, that I I, I think that um, the political tensions between the U.S. and China, you know. No, you know, no matter who's in, in the White House is probably going to be an ongoing thing. I think the question is, is just degree, right? You know, I, and, and as you stated, I think most market participants, you know, kind of expected um, that uh, Joe Biden would kind of ease up on the gas a little bit, the gas that, you know, Trump clearly was applying during her, his years. Um, but he really hasn't eased up on the gas that, that much with, with China and the relations with China have kind of Really deteriorated over the last, call it, you know, four to six years, you know, for you know, for example. So as, as we, as the two 800-pound gorillas kind of battle it out for, um, the, you know, their their rightful place in the jungle, if you will, uh, between the China and the U.S. I, I mean, I think I would expect that the tensions to continue. Um, and you know, again, been a surprise so far. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, pretty much all of us expected. Uh, the relationship to continue to be tense, but uh, really, uh, in, in terms of degree, it, it just hasn't hasn't let up, and in some ways, it's even gotten uh, a little bit tougher in terms of the U.S. rallying the international community to apply more pressure. Uh, so that'll certainly be important to watch, and we've seen that in the um, uh, in terms of the um, uh, underperformance of emerging markets, largely China. Um, so let's turn to oil next. We have. Um, you know, oil back in the $70 range. Frankly, um, I was surprised at how quickly oil blew through the 50s and 60s uh, and, um, you know, did run into a little bit of resistance in the 77 range. And that may be a tough price to break through. Uh, but frankly, that strength has been surprising to me. Um, I mean, we all knew we would get a little more supply uh, as prices go higher. But that supply, both domestically and internationally, has been a little bit slower to come through uh, than we anticipated. And then uh, the demand, frankly, has been uh, remarkable. Uh, you can look at some travel data. People are moving around uh, as much as they were pre-pandemic. Uh, and um, the demand for oil, which, of course, is largely tied to uh, mobility and travel, uh, is, is very strong and, I think, surprised us and frankly, a lot of a lot of oil companies as well. Um, so yeah, Mark, what are your thoughts on on oil here? Do you see this, um, you know, this run kind of stalling out here, or do you think oil can make uh, another run higher on the strong demand? Sure, I, I think we we've recently recognized a little bit of a dip in, in oil, but that's that's kind of we've recovered off of those you know recent lows. Several moving parts here. I mean, you stated, you know, in terms of the demand, I think is re is relatively robust. Um, un uh, all while where supply is, is continuing to kind of be restricted just a little bit, although OPEC and OPEC plus, you know, countries have kind of raised their supply and they plan for more supply in August as as we understand it. Um, U.S. supply has not been that that great, um, and 
uh, demand certainly has been outstripping uh, supply in in, uh, in in many you know instances instances in aggregate. You know, I think if you've traveled uh, along our interstate highways, you can kind of get a sense for the demand that we've you know we've seen. Um, we're not expecting that to, to to change in terms of the demand, at least for the for the second half of this year. Of course, I think people are excited to kind of get out and about a little bit, you know, and, and rather than you know choosing uh, airline travel, you still have, you have a lot of folks choosing uh, automobile travel. I think in terms of the price itself, uh, I think we have to be cognizant of the $75 level in oil as we're, we're bouncing around $71 today. You know, that was a recent high. And so that'll be a, a good number to focus on to the degree if we can break through that technically, then obviously we've got some room to go higher, but should we stall and perhaps break down at the next ascension of 75, you know, it'll be, it'll be something to kind of, you know, keep an eye on. Um, so we're watching $75, I would say, as a, as a, as a near-term um, uh, resistance point you know, over the next, you know, call it a couple months. And, and for now in LPL research, we do like the energy sectors. We think there's some opportunity for the stocks to play a little catch up to to the commodity but you know based on the recent volatility certainly that is um, a sector that you might say is uh, kind of on our watch list uh, so we'll keep paying close attention to oil um, something else certainly we're all watching is growth value um, this is tied to to yield so you know Lawrence we're counting on you to get yields a little bit higher for us and um you know that could potentially help um, help the value stocks because recently it's really been about growth. Um, this is uh, just a relative strength of growth growth versus value, and you can see uh, after a um, you know a little bit of a I don't know six month roughly period of value outperformance, growth has stormed right back and is um, you know kind of eating away at all of that value outperformance that we got last last fall and into. The early part of, of this year. So I think the key, the key question, of course, as it always is with investing is where do we go from here? So Mark, I know you, uh, you have some long-term uh, perspective on this. So um, give, give us your thoughts on, on growth value here from kind of a short-term, long-term. Yeah, I, I think, you know, short-term, we were probably surprised at, at the, uh, at the ability of growth to kind of bounce back you know, versus value, and it had been enjoying uh, a, a, an overweight to value through the most of the first half of the of the year. Um, value has rightly come back as as you know the economies are expanding. Um, long term, you know, if if we look at the next chart, Jeff, I think you know we're we're talking about a an imbalance that's still. Um, present for us long-term. And this is something that we look at from an asset allocation committee perspective that really kind of helps set the stage for us in terms of the way we think about, you know, growth and value. I mean, you can argue that the growth companies are perhaps the more innovative companies, um, better returns on equity in general terms, perhaps, you know, kind of better profitability overall. Um, but when you have this type of imbalance between the, you know, the S&P 500 growth index outperforming the value index to this degree, you kind of have to ask yourself, um, is it different this time or, or are we still expecting, you know, that, that, you know, that old adage that, you know, we're going to get a reversion 
to the mean. I, I would lean toward the latter at some point. We would get a little bit more of a reversion to the mean. Um, we are modestly overweight value today uh, because we think that's going to uh, perform better than growth as we continue this economic recovery. Um, and we're, all, we're modestly overweight value because we think there's probably some air pockets within growth that should we get a correction of, of some sort, maybe the second half of this year, we may feel that more in growth than in value, perhaps due to the air pockets and due to the higher P's that you're seeing in growth as a result of this type of imbalance in, in performance. So this is really like a long-term look. Um, yes, today, slightly value or slightly overweight value versus growth. Um, the longer term, this kind of puts it into perspective as, as to where you should be. And if you're overweight growth today, um, you're probably assuming a little bit more risk than perhaps you, you, you should be. So this is just kind of a long-term way of, of, of thinking about the trade-offs between growth and value. It, it makes a lot of sense to certainly to me to lean into uh, value a, a little bit given this, this chart. Um, and, and if you translate performance into valuations, it looks even more extreme. Frankly, the, the relative valuations of, of value stocks relative to growth stocks are about as cheap as they ever get. So, uh, you know, even though the growth fundamentals, particularly tech, are very strong, we're going to get uh, all the big cap tech results this week, frankly, uh, all the FANG names. So it's a huge week for tech. It's going to help us gauge uh, the direction uh, of those stocks. But um, this could potentially start the transition. Um, away from the pandemic winners. Um, it's going to be tougher for these companies to show the same kind of growth. They're still doing well, uh, and, and you still want a lot of them in, in your portfolios, but uh, it's going to be tough to, to comp off of pandemic levels of growth, which are just, uh, frankly, meteoric for uh, a lot of these big big tech names that have benefited from stay at home and, and, and work from home. So I guess that's a long-winded way of saying the bar is high. So um, last of our six surprises has been earnings. You know, I follow earnings really closely, so this might be my biggest surprise, frankly. Uh, we came into this year, um, you know, with a consensus number under $170 a share in S&P 500 profits, and now we're at about 195. This is extremely, extremely rare. Uh, in fact, typically estimates fall about 10%, during a given year, uh, and now they're up 14% or so uh, year to date, just uh, remarkable. Uh, to put this into perspective a different way, how strong uh, earnings have been, we're actually uh, now about 20% ahead of the pre-pandemic peak in earnings. So if we deliver these uh, estimates, you know, if the estimates come through in 2021, we'll be 20% above pre-pandemic highs in S&P 500 earnings, which is just uh, remarkable. This earnings season is off to a great start. You're looking at our earnings season dashboard for those watching on, on the YouTube channel. Uh, the 85% beat rates for earnings and revenues, that's that. those would be all-time records if they hold. We were looking at 64% earnings growth when the season began. Uh, now we're tracking to about 75 and um, that only includes about a quarter of the results. So it is still quite early 
Uh, we always follow estimates and they are inching higher, which is great to see. So I think you'd have to call this uh, a great start and comparable to the great starts we've had to the last few uh, earning seasons. And with valuations a bit elevated, the earnings really need to come through uh, to drive the next leg of this market rally higher. And we think it will. So just um, you really got to uh, tip your cap to corporate America. They have really manage these cost pressures uh, incredibly well. well. We'll learn a lot more about that uh, when we get you know, representation from other sectors. It's been mostly financials, but we expect generally that uh, story to continue that you know, companies are managing these challenges um, really well. So, um, so gentlemen, anything else to, to add to that before we move on to the FOMC? Or should we keep rolling? I, I, just a just a perspective uh, on earnings. I mean, it, it, you use the word remarkable, Jeff. I, it it certainly is, and it's one of the reasons I think investors have um, have been ready, willing, and able to kind of put push money more toward you know the equity market. Um, certainly, U.S. corporations have kind of backed that up with uh, with results, which have indeed been you know out, outstanding. Uh, as as we recover here, and and it's you know, as we all all know, it's it's what have you done for me lately? And we're expecting U U.S. corporations to kind of answer that, you know, as we continue to move through Q2 earnings season results here, um, and then I'll, it'll all be up to what they can do in, uh, in in Q3, right, Jeff? Yeah, that's right. We've actually gotten 12 companies uh, provide guidance for Q3 already eight positive and four negative, which is a really good ratio. Uh, we've been doing that for the last few quarters, uh, unusually strong, and uh, hopefully that continues. So uh, guidance will be watched closely. Um, all right, we're, we're back to uh, the Lawrence Gillum show. So, um, you know, it's a huge week of earnings. It's also a huge week because we get the FOMC meeting on Wednesday. Um, so, you know, we didn't expect too much interesting out of the FOMC last meeting, Lawrence, it was a little more interesting than I think we thought. Uh, might we be surprised? And and could this one be a little more interesting than we expected? Never say never. But yeah, last last month's um, uh, FOMC meeting was a bit surprising uh, because of some of the economic releases as well as the dot plot releases. Uh, we don't get that this this for this meeting. Uh, so unfortunately, we won't spend a lot of time talking about dot plots in our in our blogs and on our calls. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are upset about that, but. Uh, we are expecting uh, some uh, additional language released from the Fed in terms of, of tapering. I think that's going to be the, the big topic of the meeting this, this time around. Uh, and, and tapering, just as, as a reminder, the, the Federal Reserve is buying $120 billion of bonds every month. $80 billion of that is in Treasury securities. $40 billion is in agency mortgage securities. Uh, they've been doing that since March of last year. So they've been providing this uh, emergency level uh, monetary uh, accommodation since then. So there's a lot of folks both on the, the, the Federal Reserve Committee as well as uh, you know, market pundits and, and investors believe that, that that is no longer necessary given the, the growth of the economy. Uh, so uh, Chairperson Powell has, has uh, reiterated that you know, the substantial progress goal has not been made, uh, met yet. So we don't expect them to make any big news about tapering, only that they've started to talk about talking about tapering uh, just to kind of uh, you know, move that process a, a, a bit along. Uh, certainly don't expect anything in terms of interest rate hikes. Uh, the market has, has, has pushed back 
when the, the Federal Reserve will, will start uh, hiking interest rates, short-term interest rates, uh, it looks like the, the beginning of 2023 is now the new kind of market expectations for, for interest rate hikes, um, which is in contrast to kind of what, I guess, I, so the, the market uh, about a month ago was saying that, you know, late 2022 was, was when the market would, or the, the Fed would start uh, raising rates, uh, but with the, the Delta variant and, and, and maybe a, an expectation of slower growth ahead, uh, you know, the markets pushed that off a, a little bit. So we'll see if, if Chairperson Powell says anything about, uh, you know, tapering or, or uh, um, you know, the, the interest rate hikes uh, in, in the future and, and see if that market expectations move at all. Uh, certainly, we, we don't expect them to. Um, but it should be, knock on wood, a, a pretty uh, a mundane meeting. We'll see how it goes. I'll certainly be watching. And then the press conference afterwards, on Wednesday afternoon with, with uh, Chairman Powell will, 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 uh, will be um, you know, interesting to us Fed watchers anyway. And uh, but again, we don't expect fireworks. Our view is that uh, the tapering announcement will happen either August or September. It's looking more like September is when the, the, federal, the federal Reserve will start talking about um, their plans to taper with the, 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 um, the actual tapering happening uh, sometime next year. But, um, yeah, to, to your question, hopefully there's no fireworks because I think that's going to just provide a lot of volatility to markets if, if there's some something that uh, you know, we're not expecting. It be, best guess, uh, Lawrence, just on the on the tapering aspect, it, you know, let's say they in September they do announce some type of program that begins perhaps in early 2022. Well, I mean, what would you your expectation be for? What that tapering would look like, you know, you mentioned we were, we're buying 120 billion dollars worth of securities. What, what do you think they're going to kind of taper to? What what's what's what kind of level of securities would they take that that down to? That level of buying that is. Yeah. So the, the goal is to reduce that 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 bond purchasing completely over the course of let's say a year. Uh, there's been discussion about should they taper mortgages, uh, agency mortgage pur purchases first, or in a, a greater amount to reduce the. the the mortgage purchases first. Uh, there's been some concern about the, the the strength of the housing market and if the Fed is providing some of that uh, fuel to the, the that fire. Uh, so there have been some Fed governors talking about reducing that uh, those purchases first and and getting out of that market all altogether. And to be honest with you, uh, Chair Powell hasn't had great responses as to why they continue to buy mortgage securities. Uh, you know, his his response has generally been, you know, that's the way they did it. Last crisis, which was the, you know, the global financial crisis, which uh, had more of a, a housing element to it, so you needed to support that market. Whereas now, given the robustness of the housing market, you don't really need to continue to buy those mortgage securities. So, um, based upon history, though, it looks like they'll do a, a pro rata reduction in treasuries and mortgages over the course of, of the year. Uh, but since they're buying fewer mortgage securities than they are treasury securities, they'll likely get out of that mortgage market before they get out of the treasury market is, is kind of my, my best guess. Fair. And then before too long, we'll, uh, we'll be breaking out our charts showing you how stocks do during Fed rate hike campaigns and how bonds do during rate hike campaigns. Um, and, and certainly, you know, back to you, Lawrence, there's been a lot of uh, attention on the credit markets, right? And so, you know, the Delta variant certainly a concern and there's, you know, some have concerns about peak growth. We're not concerned about that so much, but um, we understand those concerns are out there. When you look at the credit markets, uh, is, is are they continuing to tell us there's nothing to worry about? Or are we 
starting to see some ripples there. We did see a backup in, in spreads. And again, spreads are just that compensation for owning these additional uh, riskier your bonds up above what you would uh, earn in, in treasury securities. So we did see a backup in spreads last week, but then we saw a, a, a recovery, I guess about 75% of that widening was recovered over the course of, of, of the week last, last week. So the credit markets remain benign. They're not as concerned. Mag, I guess there's been some concern about the bond market. We talked about yields earlier and how they continue to move lower, which generally is a, is a uh, there's a, a sense of, of worry or, or concern if, um, interest rates move lower, right? That's a, a typically a, a risk off sign. Uh, but because we haven't seen that same sort of sentiment in the, the credit markets, uh, you know, we don't think that there's a, a recession on the horizon, for example. Uh, you know, that's, I think we, we think it's just there's a lot of liquidity in the system and everything is, is getting a bit these days, credit markets, uh, treasury markets, equities as well. So um, the credit markets aren't, aren't uh, telling us that, that we need to be worried just yet, but, you know, certainly we're watching. Great. Thank, thanks for that, Lawrence. Uh, why don't we move uh, on to the last part of our agenda, which is uh, GDP here again. Um, it is just a massive week for big economic data and, and market events. And uh, GDP uh, is the last one. Um, so Mark, uh, what, uh, what should we expect? I, I know the growth expectations are pretty big. Yeah, I, I think, you know, as Lawrence talked about Wednesday, we get the FOMC and then on Thursday, we do get US GDP numbers as I check the Bloomberg now. Uh, we're looking at uh, an eight and a half percent consensus estimate annualized on a quarter over quarter basis. What you see in front of you are actually year over year numbers. So, you know, regardless of whether it's um, year over year, whether it's quarter over quarter, there, there are going to be robust numbers coming out of the U.S. or coming out of the, the entire globe, as you, as you can see for, for Q2, as as all economies, you know, open up, you know, post-COVID. Now, I, I put this together just really for some perspective in, in reality. Um, and, you know, we're all enjoying, you know, some robust growth, not, not only from earnings perspective, but also uh, GDP. Um, stock prices, you know, you know, spreads are tight, as, as Lawrence mentioned, um, and uh, we as, a, as an asset allocation committee at LPL Research have kind of taken a few logs off the fire, as I, as I mentioned, you know, early in the opening, opening remarks, and that doesn't mean we dislike the equity market or we don't believe that you should be overweight equities versus bonds. We do, but, but we are expecting that, that tide to turn a little bit, at least from a GDP perspective. And I think this table kind of gives you some indication of how uh, growth is still going to be rather attractive, but it's in fact going to decelerate on a quarter over quarter basis. So that, that perspective is, is essentially the message here. Um, we talked about a longer term perspective, I think, uh, and when we talked about growth and value, and if we talk about a little bit of a longer term perspective, in U.S. and global GDP, I think you have to kind of take a look at this chart um, because the, the the capital markets are is a forward-looking mechanism, right? And you kind of have to ask yourself um, what what kind of reaction are capital markets going to have to uh, an eventual deceleration uh, in growth uh, for U.S. And, and and other and other countries? Again. We think the equity market's going to outperform in the in, in the near term, and and we've and our, fo our forecast says so. 
but you should just not necessarily be adding logs to your fire. You should be managing your portfolio to the degree that um, it, it's adequately balanced the risk and return that, that is uh, specific to your you know, personal risk tolerance. So you know, we are expecting a good Q2 number. Uh, Q3 numbers, uh, as this table shows, are likely going to be you know, good as well, but sometimes we have to kind of step back and take a look at the the trend in those numbers or the potential trend in those numbers um, for for a you know a, a better look overall as to what may happen uh, in in the quarters ahead. Yeah, yeah, Mark. This I thought this was really interesting. Um, you know, I mean, first point. You know, you're seeing deceleration from 13 percent to three uh, over a couple of years in the U.S. That's certainly noteworthy if, if these are for, of course forecasts but um you know that's the direction where where, where this is going uh the eurozone line actually you know in a few quarters the eurozone could be growing faster than the us uh, they're coming out of the pandemic later so that's certainly something that could help those markets perform better a little bit down the road um, and then um you know the BRICS, the emerging markets right now their growth doesn't look so great <laughs> compared to the us uh, and so just like Europe, we might have to wait a year before the BRICS are outgrowing the U.S. Uh, it's a really interesting dynamic that certainly, you know, flips the couple of decade trend that we were used to uh, on its head. Um, so, you know, we're generally investing kind of in the same uh, in the same way, favoring, you know, mostly the U.S., getting a little more interested in, in, in Europe and, um, you know, getting a little maybe less interested in uh, emerging markets. So interesting uh, analysis there. Uh, so um, that's the end of our agenda. So um, I think we'll go ahead and wrap up, although I have one last question for both of you guys. I want you both to, uh, to answer this. On a, on a scale of, of one to 10, uh, with 10 being the, the most scared, how scared is Ryan Dietrich right now, hanging from a zip line 100 feet in the air, attached to some branches? Mark, uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would say he's probably about a four. Uh, Ryan Dietrich is is typically not a, a a scared individual when it when it comes to that. Um, so he he gets up in front of you know hundreds of of advisors every day and and does the market signals podcast or at least every once uh, once a week that is. Um, and I'm standing in here for the first time and I'm a little scared myself and I know Ryan Dietrich's not so uh, a four. A uh, definitive four. Right. Lawrence, you're going higher than that, aren't you? I yeah, know. No, I, I agree, Mark. I mean, the guy's fearless, so I'm. I'll. I'll go with the. I'll, I'll go with a five, just because you know, do the prices right? One up on, on the you know a, a one number, but I you know Ryan. Ryan, I, I I see no fear in Ryan's eyes ever. I tell you, his uh, his kids are zeros. They are. I know they aren't scared. <laughs> in fact, they're probably up there, you know, standing up, getting on top of the lines you know ditching their belts that <laughs> let's hope that we should worry more about them maybe than ryan <laughs> so anyway hopefully uh those the, the dietrichs are all having a great vacation we have seen some pictures maybe he tweeted some so uh ryan we we miss you come back uh soon and in in one piece so um with that um last thing well you know we covered everything that's really happening this week and and it was it was big I mean, there's some other reports, um, you know, second tier economic data, 
like uh, durable goods, uh, but really nothing that's going to get the attention of um, GDP earnings in the Fed. But last thing, um, we do have some more horse trading in Washington going on, and they may come to an agreement on a bipartisan infrastructure bill. That we'll have to watch. Um, no matter how this plays out, uh, we do think we're going to get a couple trillion in spending that's, that passes Congress this year. It's just a matter of how many bills it takes and, and what method. Uh, so uh, we'll certainly be watching uh, Washington uh, closely as well. So uh, thank you for joining us, um, uh, as always, on the Latest Market Signals podcast. Thank you to Lawrence Gillum, Fixed Income Strategist, Mark Zabicki, Director of Research, uh, for jumping in. Um, it was fun. I think, I think we are going to please Mr. Dietrich, uh, but certainly uh, if he's not happy with this for any reason, we'll uh, go back to the drawing board and we'll do something different next time. So next week, we will not be doing our regularly scheduled uh, podcasts early in the week, but later in the week, we'll be bringing you special podcasts from the LPL Focus Conference. Uh, we look forward to uh, seeing many of you there. Thanks, everyone. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information reference in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.